show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson from Shift Forward Health, and here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about predictions for the second half of the year. What trends might we see in consumer health between now and the end of the year? And what consumer brand might be next to make a splash in patient care? I'll talk about that. Then we welcome Reed Smith. Yes, that Reed Smith. Worlds collide as Reed helps us understand his role as Chief Consumer Officer at Ardent Health Services. Plus, he gives us some fun facts from co-hosting the well-known Touchpoint podcast. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. So a lot of you are back from a holiday weekend and looking at the calendar, realizing that we're in the second half of the year. Where did that time go? And more importantly, what's coming in the second half of the year? Here we are with drugstore chains spending billions on health at home acquisitions, Optum spending on everything except acute care hospitals, notable names pulling out of U.S. news rankings, Rideshare services partnering with health plans, consumer electronic brands handling your remote patient monitoring setup in your home, and grocery stores evolving from the standard blood pressure cuff kiosk to full-blown primary care clinics. What's coming in the second half of the year? Well, here are three possibly unpopular predictions. First, the rise of consumer leadership will continue. I'm seeing more chief consumer officers and marketing and innovation leaders with the word consumer or experience in their title that aren't coming from the patient experience clinical side of things. Second, millennial out migration from primary care in favor of relationships with health and wellness brands. Younger generations simply don't trust in authorities or incumbent organizations or brands in the same way that older generations do. That's why I see a wellness brand like Nike creating a footprint in healthcare and continuing the migration for younger consumers, as well as One Medical continuing to grow. Third, more of a spotlight on urgent care chains, and not just because of Village MD acquiring Summit Health slash CityMD last year. The economics clearly seem to work, and the consumer experience offers convenience, meaning location and speed. A record 11,150 urgent care centers have popped up around the U.S., and they're growing at 7% a year. And that doesn't even include clinics inside retail stores like a Minute Clinic or a freestanding ER. So if you're a health system without much of an urgent care footprint, I see you having to face even more competition from the good old doc in a box. And finally, which consumer brand do I think could make a major play in healthcare before the end of the year? I'm going with Target, which might sound surprising because they've been notably quiet 
quiet compared to their retail peers, but I think the timing could finally be right. Think about it. Walmart has announced that they will double their number of health clinics by the end of 2024, and the competition could finally be reaching a tipping point. But Target has a cleaner brand and typically a cleaner experience in their stores. They already feature health and wellness products prominently, plus their snack aisles seem to jive a lot more with a healthy mission statement than Walmart's. I can see them launching their own version of a minute clinic that offers basic cash pay pricing or subscriptions for primary care and behavioral health services or even nutrition counseling. Brand-wise, it seems like a win-win. Bottom line, we're not going backwards. We'll continue to see more primary care available from places other than doctor's offices and a blurring of the line between consumer health and health care. Let's see what happens next and do whatever we can, wherever we are, to lead to a healthier America. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. Hey y'all, there are still so many marketing questions to talk about, and that's why we've created the Relevant Podcast channel. How do you market healthcare to modern consumers? How do B2B marketers reach modern healthcare buyers? And how do you achieve your own career goals in this modern world of work? Join me and my rotating set of co-hosts, including Peter Balistrieri and Mitch Holdwick, as we offer quick thoughts on these topics and much more. Subscribe to Relevant wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, everyone, let's get into the flow. Let's have a little fun here today. Please give it up for Reed Smith. Yes, that Reed Smith, a chief consumer officer at Ardent Health Services. Also, he happens to be co-host of another podcast you may have heard of called Touchpoint. Can't wait to dig in here. Reed, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Good to chat. Absolutely. I have a feeling we probably have a lot of people who know who you are, but just in case there's that one person out there who doesn't, why don't you fill in the gaps a little bit? Let's help them get to know you a little bit better. What would you like them to know about you personally or professionally? Sure. Yeah. So I uh, head up all of our consumer facing initiatives here at Ardent. And uh, so that's everything from how people research and find care and receive care within our organizations, but kind of also that thread makes it through some of our clinical initiatives like remote patient monitoring and hospital at home and you know all, virtual care and all those topics. So so yeah, I have a little bit of oversight of, of everything consumer facing. Been doing this for 20 some odd years, I guess, at this point, and uh, just kind of always been in the hospital space. Yeah. That's amazing. Is there a piece of career advice along the way that has just stuck with you that you've received? You're like, yeah, that really helped me along the way. There's probably a lot of inflection points. You know, I think when I started doing this, I mean, there was barely an internet. You know, it's just different. Right. You know, the way that we thought about the world, you know, what marketing meant, you know, some of those types of things. There's been a lot of people and a lot of advice, I guess. But I think most importantly has been to really kind of understand and take into account what's happening around you. I think that's the interesting piece of this. When I started and was the director of marketing and communications at a you know, small community hospital in central Texas in 2003, Again, there was barely an internet. And part of my job was I was uh, signed to be the initiative champion for our patient experience work at the time. That was through a company called the Studer Group that a lot of people are probably familiar with. And at the time, you know, when I was thinking about marketing and experience, predominantly patient experience, it, t- it felt like two very different worlds. And then here we are all these years later, and it feels like 
you know, it's hard to delineate one from the other uh, sometimes. And so I think, you know, some of the, the opportunity that I got early in my career and some of that advice being like, hey, listen, I don't know. It may not be exactly what you're interested in. It may not be exactly the, the most visible thing within the organization or the most exciting thing, but take all the opportunities that you get and understand and try to figure out exactly what that then means to the role that you're doing and the experiences that you can gather because you don't really ever know, you know, down the road and kind of as things progress, you know, how this may actually be advantageous or beneficial to you in the long run. So That's great advice. And, and it's so true too. I mean, a lot of things need some explanation there. They are like in your gut, you just know like that that's something that needs to be figured out for our organization. Somebody's got to do that. And the more you have an opportunity to, take something and run with it. Uh, I agree. It pays off in dividends. It's funny you mentioned being in a small community hospital in in Texas in the early 2000s. That's where I found myself as well. So uh, we'll, we'll have to compare notes sometime. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I was up in the Dallas area and, and uh, things were different then. I remember uh, sitting in with the CEO and he was saying, why do, would, do we really need a, a website? I could just buy another x-ray machine for the same amount of money. And I'm like, all right, let's go there for a minute. So Anyway, yeah, we can compare notes. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I want to dig into your your role here at Ardent. It has evolved, safe to say. Uh, it's recently expanded to be Chief Consumer Officer. I wonder if you could give us a deeper dive on your responsibilities and and where that role fits within the organization. Sure. Yeah. So I have everything related to consumer experience, but also consumer engagement. And kind of as I think about the data and technology that underpins both of those areas, right? So, you know, how do we really stratify and talk about the consumer populations that we're in charge of engaging with? And then what are those strategies to engage those individuals as active patients, dormant patients, people we don't know today, right? I mean, kind of how do we think about that and what strategies exist to actually go and have relationships with these people? And then really what experience are they having? So how do they make it into the organization? You know, so this is where things like online scheduling and all the EHR kind of consumer facing pieces for us. That's epic. So things like my chart and scheduling and on-demand visits and all the virtual care pieces and e-check-in and e-signature and, you know, all of those things. But again, the experience, if you think about it, you know, everybody in the organization has some impact on that. So how do we, even though we may not manage day those parts of the organization like contact centers or the referral process or something like that, how can we help orchestrate and coordinate those efforts to make sure that the experience people have, you know, makes sense and is what we're striving to actually provide? And, you know, what are those journeys and kind of those inflection points look like all the way through discharge? When they're home, how do we communicate with them? What are those most important messages? You know, how do they come back to the organization? And I don't mean the hospital, but just kind of our care map. And so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think, you know, my role has evolved as we've continued to look to be more and more consumer centric versus hospital centric. So we're, we're less concerned about buildings and locations at this point and more concerned about, you know, how do we understand what the consumer needs and wrap those services around the consumer, knowing that, you know, a certain percentage will certainly have to come to a hospital or come to a location at some point. But that's not really kind of how we're thinking about it at the, at the onset of, of building these relationships with people. That's an interesting paradigm shift, right? Consumer-centric versus hospital-centric. I imagine that's not necessarily the easiest or, or most natural conversation sometimes to have. I think it makes sense to a lot of people. And yet what that means within a very layered structure of an organization like a health system, it's a big evolution. 
to say the least. Is there any any of the light you can share on that in terms of like what that conversation has looked like? Well, I'm very, very fortunate in a sense that I have a CEO and an organization that also thinks this way and is driving towards this goal. So it's not something, you know, I'm not trying to push the boulder up the hill, so to speak. You know, it's really more about prioritization and how we actually execute against it versus, you know, philosophically trying to sell this idea, you know, into the organization. So I'm certainly aware of how fortunate I am in that vein. And so, but I do think, you know, having these conversations, a part of what that means is really a shift from what we've done historically, which is very advertising focused. When I say we, I mean the industry, not Ardent specifically, but very advertising centric, really about just kind of that one patient population, which is the people we don't have a relationship with. It's all acquisition based activities for the most part, in kind of shifting that focus to be more about, you know, how do we engage our active patient population to reduce leakage, for example, and making sure that we're using that information to understand what services that people do need in our markets and how do we solve for that? Is that something that we buy? Is that something we build? Do we partner with somebody to provide these services? You can think like virtual behavioral health, for example, is a good example. And so it kind of, as we think about that, you know, the shift has been like, hey, you know, we're moving away from these traditional kind of historical ways that we've communicated, which is a lot of advertising campaigns. And we're thinking about more of these engagement activities and practically what that means for you and your local market and the operators in those markets and the physicians in those markets. Is this going to appear that we are much less visible in these markets? It's not really the case. But you're not going to see outdoor billboards. You're not going to see print ads and radio spots like like you had historically. Our competitors are probably still going to do those things. And so it exacerbates this idea that you know we're we're not doing enough or we're not doing certain things or certain tactics. But again, we're trying to think more explicitly about kind of one to one. If I'm going to communicate with Jared, what what is meaningful there is a next best action is a way to, kind of drive that engagement and build that relationship. And, you know, our, our viewpoint, my viewpoint is that's probably not an outdoor board. Now, that's not a binary decision where it's just we'll never do an outdoor billboard again, but we probably will at some point or for some reason. But that's just not, you know, going to be the focus. So now that makes a lot of sense. It is. It's an evolution. It's not just a turn this on, turn this off. It makes a lot of sense. Well, with all that, that means you got to evolve how you measure success. Is there anything you can share about how you measure success in the short term and then versus the long term? What are some of those projects and initiatives that, that you anticipate working on? There's a couple of different things and a couple of different ways to think about things. One is certainly the consolidation of technology, right? I mean, I think through the years, all of us that have been at, at provider organizations have found good ideas, good things to try, good things to do. And you end up with a, a ton of different disparate, you know, technologies and properties that are really aren't integrated and, you know, some of those types of things. So we're down this path now around consumer experience in a CX platform where we can consolidate all of this technology into one, one deployment. And that does a couple of things for us. One, it allows us to consolidate the partners that we work with. And so strategically, we can get you know more alignment in what we're doing and the integration of all the different point-based engagements that we may have with, with people. But it also helps us think about like some cost savings, right? 
And if you look at things like contact centers and the amount of time we're spending talking to people, the more DIY options we can give folks and self-service options we can give folks, potentially we offload you know, some of that you know, constraint that we have there today. So there is some cost savings, but predominantly we're looking at this through acquisition, retention, and leakage. Like that, those are the things that we're measuring through our engagement activities. Again, we're very fortunate that we have you know, one EHR, one instance of one EHR that stretches our entire enterprise. And so I know that's a little bit unique, but it does allow us to better measure the effectiveness of our of our efforts, of our outreach efforts. And so that's where we're driving towards. I mean, again, you know, revenue is is great, but we're also looking at, you know, specifically how we're engaging folks and what that means to the organization. So there is some success metrics relative to just activity, but predominantly we're driving towards a, a, a actual you know, value, ROI, cost savings, things like that. Nice. You mentioned a lot of marketing activities, I guess activities that have traditionally been marketing, right? Uh, engagement and, and activation and retention. Is this within the marketing, you know, existing marketing structure? Did that have to shift to kind of accommodate some of these things? Not really. I, so yes, it is in, in kind of this broader idea that we're talking about for a lot of us that have been in this industry for a long time, some particular terms probably have some baggage attached to them because there's an assumption of what that means, right? Marketing, CRM, digital, you know, whatever, you know, just pick a term. And so we're trying to move away from that a little bit just to not create a false identity around what it is that we're doing within the organization. So when we talk about engagement or experience or data and technology, you know, instead of CRM, we're talking about identity, right? Instead of marketing, we're talking about engagement. So there's, there's certain words that we're purposefully using to talk about the activities that we're doing. And so there has been a shift within, within our team to think about how we do the work that we do. Therefore, there is kind of a broader shift within the organization. Now, people functionally shifting around the organization? No, not really. It's just more of a philosophical change and then kind of a, a change in, strate- in the strategy in which we're using to actually engage the patient. So, Gotcha. So are you, are you seeing a similar shift in other organizations that, that you're aware of, colleagues out there in the industry? Is this something that's happening elsewhere? Are there other organizations that are creating leadership positions similar to this that just have you know oversight in a similar way? Yeah, I think you know there's several out there that are doing some really interesting things. I mean, I, you know, Saravizi up in Providence. Obviously, there's a lot of really interesting things happening there. She and I have had a lot of conversations around this idea of identity-based engagement. That's really what we're both kind of striving for and, and towards. You know, obviously, those active patient populations that are for us in Epic today. That's a little easier to do. You know a lot about these people. You know why to reach out to them, right? But when you start talking about the, the the folks that we have not connected with, then that becomes a little different. So how do you build that identity over time through in, through encounters? And so, so we've talked a lot about that. I think she's doing some really interesting things. Providence doing some interesting things. I think Memorial Herman down in Houston, uh, Eric Smith, who the chief digital officer there, I think has is really thought through and brought some interesting things from outside of healthcare. He spent you know a lot of years at USAA engaging people more in kind of that financial services world, I guess, but has really done some really interesting things about you know how we're engaging the consumer and and things like that. So 
There certainly are. And I, and I don't know that, you know, I'm not some expert or genius that has thought of something that somebody else hasn't already thought of. It's just quite honestly, there's so much opportunity just around, you know, blocking and tackling of just how do we start down this path of, you know, being more consumer centric practically, you know, what does that mean within the organization? And so some of that has started with even my own team of, you know, not structuring ourselves around locations and service lines, right? And thinking more about structuring ourselves around those patient populations. And so again, it's not this, you know, radical change. It's just a meaningful and kind of purposeful shift in the way that we focus our time and and outreach efforts. Yeah. And there's a difference there. I, I like that. I appreciate you sharing that. Because to me, when I think about it from the consumer's standpoint, that's what this is all about, right? Helping those outside the organization understand the value of engaging with with healthcare organization. We've discussed with the with guests in the past of like it it seems fair to say that that this isn't necessarily in the DNA of a lot of healthcare organizations. Designing consumer centered experiences and engagement engagement opportunities that didn't naturally come to a lot of healthcare organizations. So there's got to be a starting point, like you said, and then there's got to be a way to kind of build those muscles. What skills and core competencies do you see are needed? You mentioned some some evolution, perhaps, of, of team members, but but also just of a conversation. How do we build those consumer muscles? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, we're still finding our way through that a little bit. I think from a skill set perspective or like roles or things like that, that we just historically have not had on the team. And again, I'm kind of talking at an industry level here, but it's probably true for us here at Ardent. More expertise around data, for example, you know, analysts, business analysts, data analysts, you have folks that are actually looking at and can build models around what it is that we're doing to understand success and understand where we should go and what we should do next and and things like that. I think, you know, some of the things that I'm adding to my team, you know, are folks that not just the consumer experience, but the clinical consumer experience. So again, for us as Epic, you know, how do we have people on our team that can, you know, practically take into account the clinical experience that people are having, both from, you know, checking in online and scheduling and like all these different things, right? So again, that's very my chart centric for us in a lot of cases. So how do we have those types of skills and roles on the team? Journey mapping, voice of the customer, you know, these types of roles that it's not something that someone's just doing off the side of their desk anymore, right? It's just specifically somebody's job or, or a group of people's jobs. You know, those are a few things that we're looking at and adding to the team, even marketing automation and some of those things, those skill sets that, again, you get the right technology in place. You know, technology in and of itself is not a silver bullet. You know, you still have to have people in process to execute against a lot of this. And so having people that understand and can drive a lot of this, again, from a data science perspective or, or the analytics and insights and data pieces is really important. So in addition to those clinical roles, also some financial roles and not not simply just having all the financial knowledge live in other parts of the organization, but having people from our side that can work with those those individuals to you know, make sure that what we're doing makes sense. And again, that we're able to kind of measure the effectiveness of what we're doing. Yeah, I love that. I love the the mentioning of finance, of clinical, of, of digital, of all these skill sets that lie in traditionally throughout the organization. To that end, when I'm thinking about who can kind of own this and run with it, 
I've made the case in the past that marketing can absolutely play a leading role here in consumer transformation. Do you think that's the case? Do you think marketing can play a leading role? This is a a debate recently on LinkedIn, I guess. There was a question on it. What do you think? Can marketing play a leading role here? They absolutely can. I mean, I think the organization as a whole has to philosophically agree. Like there's got to be people at the executive level or the C-suite or kind of however you want to frame that that understand the value of what that function within the organization can bring and has to be part of that conversation. And again, I'm very fortunate. I'm at an organization that sees it that way. And so I'm in conversations every day with our chief medical officer, our chief medical information officer, our COO or market presidents or different leaders within the organization. What we do is not an afterthought, right? Of like, oh, okay, well now let's, now let's engage marketing to build this website about this thing we've already decided to do. You know, it's not, we're not an output or kind of the end of the equation, right? And so again, very fortunate in that sense. With that comes the responsibility that we ultimately have to deliver on what it is we say we're good at doing and can provide, you know? And so I think it's not enough to just say, I want to be there. Got to show some value once you're there of what you can do. It's so true. Then when I think about it from the consumer standpoint, and I recognize, you know, part of this conversation that's evolving, not just in your organization, but but everywhere, is who is that anyway? Who are we talking about? And so I like to think of, you know, me in my life, right, as a health consumer. I've got myself, I've got my immediate family, my kids, I've got my aging parents, I've got colleagues and friends who are in the same, you know, age bracket as as me. We're all consumers and we all have a different entry point into a a healthcare journey, if you will. And the one thing that all those have in common with anyone I talk about as a consumer, quote unquote, is we all just want an experience that meets our expectations. So those are different with everybody, but there are usually some common things. Well, that's, yeah, that's the hard part, right? Is we've got to broadly meet the expectation people have. That has influenced, as we've all said a million times, by everything else in their life, you know, whether it's how they communicate with other members of the PTO at the school or their HOA in their neighborhood or, you know, paying their bill for, you know, their haircut or wh- whatever, you know. And I think sometimes we way oversimplify that in the sense that, like, you know, I can do that from my phone. Why can't I do that here? And, you know, some of those types of things. I think in and of itself, that statement is true. It is harder for us to get to that place because we don't, you know, we have people that are involved in the way that we provide the services that we provide that other people don't have, right? I mean, the person cutting your hair, they set their own pricing. They know how they're going to get paid. It's a pretty simple transaction. And that's just not the way it is in our industry. Now, I think there's some scenarios where we can potentially make it that easy, right? You know, with some screenings or some lower acuity services or, you know, some of that kind of stuff. But that still is what we're going to have to strive to do. It's not enough to say you have a patient portal. It's, you know, how do you use it? It's not enough to say that we can text message and email patients. Well, that's fine. But if every message has the same level of importance, then what good is that? So you got to start thinking about like, you know, how are we engaging these patients and what's the most important message to them at that particular instance? And that way we don't, you know, text people that just had their hip replaced, you know, about the 5K this weekend, 
or whatever, right? So again, there's some really logical things we can point to, but we've got to start making progress towards how we solve for some of this stuff. Absolutely. Well, I feel like part of that progress can be accelerated if we are able to coalesce as a community of professionals who are involved anywhere along the spectrum of consumer-centered innovation, anyone who's working towards this end at all. And you mentioned several different departments who are involved, and I think that's great. How do you think we can coalesce and kind of speed that up and, and, and build up a community so that we're all starting to work from the same playbook? I think the biggest opportunity we have probably is to continue to share these ideas and best practices because realistically, the only way this is going to happen is that you, the individual within the organization that you currently work in, are going to have to figure out how to drive it forward within that organization specifically. So it doesn't matter what great idea I have that I share, but if you can't execute against that idea, it's not particularly valuable. So I think a lot of what we do through LinkedIn, through these podcasts, through different conferences, et cetera, is great. I think we also, though, have to focus on how do we cross-pollinate into these other parts of the organization? How do you build relationships with finance, with decision support, with IT, with the clinical ops folks, et cetera? And I think part of that is how do we become more cohort-based within our organizations and even become part of those kind of siloed history. We're siloed and so is every other part of the organization as we think about how we participate and share these best practices, right? Like the, the financial folks go to the financial conferences and we go to the marketing and strategy conferences and, you know, et cetera. And there's, you know, obviously clinicians going to a lot of different places. And so I think, you know, we've got to try to figure out how we kind of bridge some of those gaps. There are some conferences, you know, that are more focused on, say, digital health, for example, that does kind of break down some of that. So, you know, how do we step up and be leaders there and drive that? But, yeah, I mean, I think just, you know, building relationships, that's so much of the value, you know, of the conferences and things that we do go to is is just the relationship building. I'll definitely second that. You know, that's how... We've all been able to get to where we are. I mean, I think that's important for us to keep talking about that and, and make some progress there, have some opportunity to cross-pollinate, share those those best practices, and it'll happen. It's happening organically now. So, you know, if there are ways to accelerate that, that's that's fantastic. This has been a lot of fun. Honestly, it's it's been very enlightening. It's helped understand kind of where where this journey is and where things are going from here. I would be remiss if I didn't give you a moment here at the end to share a fun fact about Touchpoint uh, that you don't often tell people or just anything, you know, behind the scenes that doesn't often come up uh, on the show itself. Yeah. So, you know, Touchpoint, we've been doing it for, we're sneaking up on 350 episodes, I guess. And so six or seven years or how, whatever the math works out to on that. And I think, you know, a lot of this, Chris and I never started, uh, Chris Boyer and I, my co-host, I never really started the podcast for any other reason than just to give us some accountability to connect on a regular basis. And so that was really all we were ever trying to do was, you know, have an excuse that he and I would, would talk and compare notes and being in a similar industry where depending on across those years, he was at a health system and I was a consultant or I was at a health system and he was a consultant or whatever, you know, but we, we were always in this same space together and it was just, just a way to do that. We met originally through our involvement at the Mayo Clinic. It was uh, the Center for Social Media originally. 
and that's how we met and kind of started doing some of this. And so I think, oh, I don't know, you know, fun fact is we've done a lot of these episodes. And at this point, you know, it's allowed us to, to meet and do and create content for a lot of weeks now. And, you know, certainly appreciate everybody's you know support over the years. But I'll be honest with you, I haven't looked at the analytics for the show in some years now, because it's just, it's not why I do it. And uh, it's uh, it's just been a good good excuse for, for he and I. And, you know, we're, we're excited that people still find it valuable. So, Who decides when there's a cold open? Does that just happen organically? It does, yeah. I will tell you, it's probably more staged now than it was originally. But a lot of that just came from our small talk. You know, we would hit record at the beginning so somebody didn't forget. And we'd be talking through stuff. And it was just something that would just naturally come up that was kind of half funny or interesting or whatever. And we would splice that in at the beginning. Now, I, you know, staged is probably not the right word, but kind of through the course of a week, you know, he and I will, you know, and just in our daily lives, we'll come across something and be like, oh, that's going to be funny. Like, I, I'll, I need to remember this. And so usually the other person has no idea what it is. And somebody will say, hey, you know, I saw this this week or, hey, did you see this or what's your thought on this or whatever. So. It's been something that people have mentioned enough to us that we just kind of keep doing it, you know, and um, I'm probably officially out of recommendations that we do at the end of the show. And so I'm always scrambling to try to figure out something random to come up with to recommend. But yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Very nice. Very nice. It's been such a pleasure, Rita. Thanks for connecting with me here. For listeners who would like to connect with you, do you want to mention where they can find Touchpoint and connect with you? Yeah, Touchpoint is touchpoint.health. That's the website. And uh, certainly you can find it on all the, you know, wherever you listen to a podcast. I think for me, the easiest place is LinkedIn. I'm also Reed Smith on Twitter, which allows me to get tagged in a fair amount of law-related tweets in a given week. But um, <laughs> LinkedIn is probably the easiest way to track me down. So. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. I've had the pleasure of speaking with Reed Smith from Ardent Health Services. Thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness, then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.